Hello everyone. Hi, I'm Mike Seidel, CTO and co-founder here at Pivot CX, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Pivot to First. Today I'm joined by David Bernstein, our VP of All Things Revenue, and returning our special guest today is Craig Fisher. He is the CEO of TalentNet Live and also author of a brand new book called Hiring Humans. Craig, welcome. Thanks, Mike. Great to be here. Uh, good to see you guys, as always. So you've written a book, Hiring Humans, wow. and in the age of AI, help us understand the title. Yeah, so I, I'll, I'll show the uh, audience a picture of the book so that you'll be familiar with it when you go to Amazon to purchase the book. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's Hiring Humans, uh, Attract, Convert, and Retain Top Talent in the Age of Automation. And the idea here is really that, you know, we, we get a lot of talk about, you know, automating everything you do in recruitment, um, cutting costs because of that, but you're also sort of cutting the relationship factor with your candidates when you do that as well. Now, on the opposite side of that, a little bit of automation can go a long way to helping you actually communicate better, right? So uh, both things are true and both things are in this book. I mean, I'm a huge fan of AI and automation and tools and tricks, and but also I, I think that they are best used by people, right? And that's what recruiting and hiring is all about. So the book's really about using the tools we have available with empathy towards the candidate experience. And so if you want to call it your playbook to hiring with kindness and empathy, it's a good one. Stand in the shoes, right? Walk a mile, is that they say? There yeah. is actually a, a section called job seeker shoes. Oh, okay. There you go. So, yeah, um, I, I really go through, uh, exactly what you need to do to understand what it feels like from the outside as a candidate, you know, to apply to your company and all the communication that happens and all of the pauses that happen and all of the rough patches that you might go through trying to log into uh, an applicant tracking system to update your profile yeah. and right all, all of those things, you, you really need to understand it at a visceral level to know how you're making your potential teammates feel, right? I mean, these are probably also potentially your customers mm -hmm. and, uh, and you want them to be your friends and fans. I mean, the whole idea of a good candidate experience, right, is that even if a candidate is rejected, they're still a fan of your brand and will refer people mm -hmm. and, right? So when done right, when done well, right? When done well, that's, yeah. that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, uh, so, we talk about candidate experience or candidate journey, I've heard it's, uh, but at, we talk about it as if it's a singular thing, and I like your point, right? It's really uh, an, an incredible number of micro experiences or touch points, right, that the sum total of which might, you might say is your candidate experience, right? But there's lots of things yeah. along the way, right? It's not simple. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it should be, right? It should be simpler, but a million things have to go right in order for it to be seamless. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was reading last week, um, Kevin Grossman just put out some initial findings from the, uh, from the latest research, 
And not only has candidate resentment gone up again, <laughs> but they, unfortunately this year a tremendous number of our brothers and sisters in recruiting were also impacted by having to be on the job market themselves, right? That's right. And the, the, the vast number of recruiting professionals he spoke to who they themselves had a poor candidate experience by applying to be recruiters at other people's, at other companies, right? And yeah. now being on the receiving end of, of a candidate experience, right? Yeah, it's staggering. I mean, if you if you pay any attention to sort of uh, what we call recruiter Twitter, uh, which is uh, now X or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, recruiter Twitter is full of candidate experience stories of, you know, employers just no response. I mean, zero or really um, icky feeling uh, rejection uh, emails and you know, uh, I, Marin Hogan posted an interesting thing on LinkedIn uh, yesterday or day before, I think it was Friday, mm -hmm. about exactly this. And what she was saying was, A, she read my book and liked it, and then uh, B, but this this is should be a good debate. Um, you know, can you respond to all of your candidates, even the ones who are serial appliers, right. and do you want to, and does anybody care? And I'm here to tell you that those candidates care for sure. And right. And you never oh, yeah. know where your next referral is coming from. They may live next door to your next VP of operations. Right. So, so Craig, I'll share a little bit with you just from, you know, we, we have our chat, our, our software, and we have a lot of live conversations that happen very, very quickly. And we, we've seen over and over where candidates really appreciate fast feedback they appreciate even if you're saying no to them just telling them no here's why and you're welcome to apply again once you get this corrected uh, it's amazing uh, like how much happier they are but so many employers and, and maybe you can shed some light on this why why is it that a lot of employers feel like the best experience is one where you're, you're still sending a vaguely worded email saying we're rejecting you for reasons so in my experience and what I do for a living is consult with employers on this exact thing, right? And so right. <laughs> I, I, I apply to jobs for a living and, and tell employers where the holes are and how to fix mm -hmm. them. And sometimes it's with their technology, sometimes it's with their process. Most of the time, it's because nobody is looking at the whole thing, right? Everyone has their one job to do in the organization and nobody is, uh, is connecting the dots. There's no one. Right. There's no one person responsible um, for recruiting operations at that kind of level. Uh, there's there should be a candidate experience officer, uh, but there's there's just not anyone that does that in most organizations. Or at least somebody that does you know that's doing what you do for a living, except yeah. just checking it once in a while to make sure that it works and make sure that uh, you know maybe maybe the experience isn't absolutely horrible. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny, it, it should be checked on a regular basis, and here's why. So I'll give you a for instance. Right now, I'm rewriting all of the job descriptions for the world's largest bank. Okay. I can't, that I can't say their name. That sounds kind of not contract. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yes. Well, so we're writing, we're rewriting templates for the job families. Okay. okay? Um, and they're, and no, it's not fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're very outdated, and they're full of bias. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So the word drive was determined to be um, 
you know, sort of non-feminine uh, friendly. And so if you can imagine a bunch of uh, technical people writing job descriptions, they use drive and driven and hard driving and uh, words like that all the time. And so to go through all of the job families within this organization and to rewrite the templates for all of them is it's a daunting task. So I had to create a syllabus of bias terms. And so that exists now. Um, and then I had to train 1400 recruiters how to write the little bits of space that we allowed them to write in uh, mm -hmm. for the job updates with interesting marketing language that talks to the candidate first and um, you know, not just stating exactly what you have to do uh, to make it more interesting. And, the, and the, the problem with this is that given uh, no checks and balances, over time, all that bias and bad language will creep back creep into back those in. jobs. Right. Somebody will change the template. Nobody is. And so you should audit even your job descriptions on a regular basis, and not just your candidate experience, but the whole thing. That's a really, really interesting problem because, I, you know, a lot of the words like drive come from the culture of management and leadership at, at, right. at a company. Yeah. And so, you know, I want driven people. I want people that are motivated. All that, that's coming from, from management. And, and here you are over in, in talent acquisition, you know, probably rightfully so, going, hey, wait a minute. The, these words, the, these aren't the right words to use with, you know, greater than half the population. Well, um, yeah, when those job descriptions were written 20 years ago, or even five years ago, maybe sure. a little different environment, but not today. So another problem with that is um, I, I had another customer, a big healthcare company uh, called DaVita, mm -hmm. um, who their jobs weren't coming up in search results. When you looked on Indeed, they were way down the list. Uh -oh. And we figured out the reason why is that their origin date looked like they were three years old and that's because they were using an old template in their applicant mm -hmm. tracking system they were just copying the template and when you do that you copy over json metadata yeah. that keeps it old so even though they thought they were doing it right re redoing it, it it wasn't working I'd, a large retailer i worked with same exact problem when you fix that you can save the company hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in advertising costs because your jobs get seen. Mm. All these little nuances, right? Everything. Um, well, bad candidate experience is you can't find the jobs in the first place. Right. And, and so here's a, here's a tip for employers. Don't go searching for your exact job description title because that's unique to you. But job seekers aren't doing that they're using the generic words they're using java developer dallas texas so go go search for that and see where you rank that's really good oh, i'm sorry go on mike yeah oh no i was gonna say that's that's fantastic advice and and it's interesting when you start thinking about candidate experience it starts way 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 before people are on your career site you know you're, mm -hmm. you're talking about look at how they search understand that and and uh, I'm not sure I've seen, you know, when I talk to our customers, I'm not sure I've seen a lot of the recruiters that are our customers that have really thought that deeply back to the very, very beginning. Uh, in your book, is there, how, how much material do you have there that can really help somebody understand what they really should be thinking about like that? Yeah, I mean, the whole thing is, 
basically a, a case study um, in each chapter from a different major brand uh, okay. with a problem that they were having with visibility or candidate experience or uh, you know their funnel wasn't working properly or they couldn't process people at the bottom um, and then a checklist of okay here's your actionable takeaways from this here are the things that you should do so every chapter has that and if you look at some of the reviews from our peers that have been posted on LinkedIn and on Amazon um, they all say what they love about this is that there is a checklist of action items in every chapter. But they're more like categories, right? They're places to poke at and look into. There are, there's, not, there's not like a cookie cutter answer for every employer here, right? There is no cookie cutter answer for every employer, but the idea is look at the innovation that can happen even at stodgy uh, legacy brands uh, when you just think outside the box a little bit and to help you kind of get into that mindset and to just understand the questions you should be asking. I mean, most employers, most recruiters, most uh, heads of talent acquisition can't tell you kind of up to the minute how many employees do we currently have? What's our monthly churn? So how many people do we have to hire in order to produce the products that we make mm -hmm. or serve the customers that we that we serve right. you you have to know all the answers to those questions before you can even start to do recruitment marketing and right and employer brand who are you talking absolutely. to absolutely who are you trying to attract and so there's there's a persona template uh, in the book there's exactly how to figure out who your audience is and and why you want to know more about them so you can have empathy for what they're experiencing. So you made an interesting point, Mike, earlier about the, um, the speed of communication, which is one of the things that I love about SMS, texting, and Pivot CX. Uh, I, you know, I'm, a, I'm a customer also uh, of Pivot CX. I use shamelessly for uh, marketing my conference, uh, which is, by the way, the TalentNet Live conference, which will be Coming in Dallas up, on November 9th and 10th. Go to 9th, talentnetlive.com for <laughs> registration of that. And you should come join us because I'm going to have a lot of these books and, right? uh, and I'll be signing some of them. But also, some of the top talent leaders in the world will be there speaking. Uh, a lot of our sort of recruitment echo chamber influencers and SMEs as well. And Pivot CX will be there. Absolutely. Uh, right. And um, if you're watching this, you may very well receive a text message from me soon saying, hey, come join us in Dallas and read my book. So I've got to I've got to ask, what was it that really prompted you to go, hey, it's time to write a new book? What what were you seeing out there that just made you go? I've got to I've got to write one. Yeah. Or yeah. Not so. Seen, right. <laughs> or yeah, lack of something. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've had. I've had a dozen books in my head for 20 years. And that's the biggest problem for an author is you want to write everything. You want to write all your stuff down. Um, and But then the thought of writing a dozen books is more daunting than the thought of writing just one. And, you know, then you that's why you want to dump everything. And so you can't do that. You have to 
you have to come to a conclusion of, all right, this is what I want to say for, for this book. And yes, I've got a million other things I could, I could teach you and, uh, and, and a zillion other stories that would be relevant, but we'll save that for something else. Right. And then you get into, uh, all the things that go along with writing a book and publishing a book. And you have to create communities and, uh, newsletters and you know sort of monthly get-togethers and uh there, you know there's so there's there's room for that other stuff to come along because you have to have kind of constant content to feed your community you know Craig, one of the things oh. Yeah. Oh, i'm sorry i know i, I was just gonna, gonna pay off from writing the book though i mean you're there's a goal here right um you want to talk a little bit about you know why this particular out of the 20 that were in your head why this one now yeah. Yeah. So, it, uh, interestingly, I, I did a lot of this um, sort of candidate experience consulting work, which includes recruitment marketing and employer branding and process improvement and technology. Um, many starting in 2009, I owned a staffing firm from 2007 to 2011. Around 2009, I started getting asked to come teach these things that I was helping employers do, which was help you help yourself, right? It's easier for me to recruit for you if you look better when people go check you out, mm. right? And so it's the whole idea of being in a candidate's peripheral vision on a regular basis. Like you said, Mike, it starts way before they apply to your job. So how do you show up, right, in social places? And that started to become a thing, right? Because LinkedIn was prevalent. Facebook was really coming online twitter was hot and so you had places where you could show up as an employer as a, a transparent and authentic great place to work mm -hmm. um and I, you know I, I got a little bit twitter famous for my my views on it and getting started getting asked to to speak about that right and so that became kind of a lifestyle business and evolved into me having this consultancy where i literally fix these recruiting problems for big brands. Uh, and then Allegis Global Solutions asked me to come build out a consultancy like that for them for sort of some of their tip of the spear product offerings that weren't actually an RPO, but the consulting piece, right? And uh, a lot of companies are, are wanting to do that. And then a few years ago, when COVID started, uh, spring of 2020, Allegis decided they were scaling back and they weren't going to pursue new business and in, in RPO for a while. And so they gave a lot of us an opportunity to have a golden ticket and, uh, and boy, I, I took advantage of it. They asked me to contract back, but I said, no, I think I'm going to be busy. And since then I've gotten to do all of these amazing projects with these huge brands. And so this is really just culminating, um, me having, you know, several really cool case studies that I could share that just fit naturally into what I was trying to communicate. Mm. Well, Craig, one of the things I've always liked, you know, I, I went to TalentNet last year and I, and I got to meet a lot of your customers. One of the things I've, I've always really respected about you is your customers speak super highly of what you do for them. And, um, you know, I, I've never seen anything quite like candidate experience where it's so easy to say what a good candidate experience is and so hard to deliver it. And 
uh, having a, you know having some some expertise helping you probably makes a huge difference. At least all all of the customers of yours I've met have always been really positive about that. And uh, you know I see you know when I, when I see what you're doing out there, you know we we look at our tool as something that's really all about delivering a better candidate experience. Hence the the CX up there. Mm -hmm. But we're really looking at at candidate experience really as the as the future, we, we, we see, you know, and I love the name of your book, Hiring Humans. Um, you know, if you're really trying to hire humans, you got to treat them right. So yeah. uh, really, uh, really hats off for the book. Question for you about that. And I hear, I've heard that uh, you've actually uh, been listed as a bestseller on Amazon now. What, you released, what, Friday last week? Or was it uh, Thursday? Technically Thursday, but by Friday I was on I was on the bestseller list f uh, for multiple categories, um, and so uh, it, it's it's sort of easy to be um, kind of best new release or top new release, top selling new release, that sort of thing. But I actually uh, became bestseller on a few of these lists, and they included um, like technology, architecture, and uh, other things where my book actually fits in because there's a lot of tech and data uh, stuff in, in the oh, book. Absolutely. But, yeah. But then also in uh, human resources books. So you kind of um, jump in and out almost on an hourly basis of some of these lists because, uh, you know, people are still buying other books. Um, but I've got a screenshot of all of the ones that I made the made the top spot on. Well, congrats. So, congrats yeah. on the success. Right? Yeah. Thank you. Yay, right? Um, yeah. No small feat, and, and certainly a uh, lot, lot of juicy uh, stories in there, I'm sure. A any particular hacks or stories that you want to particularly call out? Uh, well, there. okay, I'll, I'll give you a hack right now. Um, SEO is a, a common theme of mine. If you want to show up in somebody's peripheral vision uh, as an employer, put your name all over the place. Uh, put your name on every image of your website and name it this. My company XYZ is currently hiring Java developers in Dallas, Texas. Hmm. Right? You, I mean, you, you mean like in the alt tags, you mean, and things like that? In the, alt the title of the, the image. I mean, yeah. if you have access to your career site and you can control any of those things, um, yes, the alt tags, the descriptions, the actual title of the image, dot, you know, JPEG or dot, hmm. uh, right, PNG. And um, years ago, I started doing that. And so when you go search for, you know, employer brand strategy, Dallas, Texas, a million pictures of Craig Fisher pop up. Yeah, that's by design. And I've sort of started doing the same thing with this Hiring Humans books. Uh, all of the images um, have our title, Hiring Human Book, bestseller, Craig Fisher. Uh, candidate experience and, and things like that. And so, by the way, you can go to hiring-humans.com to, uh, to get some of that. But I think my SEO hacks will be uh, in the next book because the next book is going to be for job seekers, but also employers and recruiters will like it. Um, but it's, you know, how to get noticed mm. and how to get in, in people's frame of vision. And so you asked about a story, Dave. Mm -hmm. The one of the stories in the book um, years ago, when Foursquare was really at its peak, very popular and kind of early on. This mm -hmm. is 2008, 2009, something like that. 
Um, <clears throat> and Foursquare, for those of you who don't know, is a location-based app where you could check into places and uh, become the mayor even if you checked in there on a most regular basis. And you would get coupons and free stuff from those venues if you were the mayor. <clears throat> so I took this concept and I said, this is interesting. I can, I can hack Foursquare and connect with the people that are checking into the place that I want to be seen or found and find them on Twitter because they generally will tweet their post because that was one of the features of Foursquare when they check in somewhere. And so I could find them and I could connect with them and I could build big lists of them. And, uh, and so I did. And at one point I was recruiting for um, Verizon. And I said, you know what? Uh, I think there are a bunch of engineers that check into the Starbucks across the street from AT&T on a regular basis because I found them. And so I went to the Starbucks uh, across the street from AT&T for a week straight and posted every day, checking in, because I'd already connected with these people. I am sitting in the back corner of this Starbucks if you're looking for a new job. I'm hiring for Verizon. <laughs> wow. And I must have interviewed 80 people uh, in one week um, from hacking Foursquare. Uh, so... AT&T called me later. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Let's talk about this. Cease and desist, or uh, we want to... Yeah, no, no, can, no. Can we, we, yeah, we'd like to hire you to help us right. attract talent. Yeah. Can you do that to Verizon for us, please? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. You know, it's really funny. Uh, before we were Pivot CX, before we wrote our new software, we had an app that was really a, a step off of what you were doing. We were doing a lot of geofence recruitment marketing where we mm -hmm. were geofencing the Starbucks across the street and advertising to the people yeah. that were there. And honestly, it was a great way to get noticed for the employers. And then Cambridge Analytica happened and it became increasingly harder to get results off of geofence. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, recruiting people, you gotta, find, you gotta get in front of them. You have to. You know, um, there's another story in this book. Uh, I did a project for Ross Dress for Less. They decided to bring all of their recruiting in-house. They were using too many vendors to recruit for their warehouses. They had a mm -hmm. warehouse outside of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania in mm -hmm. a tiny little town, but that tiny little town had 96 other warehouses in it. So Amazon, Walmart, you name it, had giant facilities that they were trying to compete with. So the city was called distri Distributionville yeah. or something? Is that the yes. Distribution Centerville? Yeah. I, I never got to go there. I wanted to. I wanted to mm -hmm. go check it out, but I never got to go. Um, but we did the same thing, Mike. We we oh yeah, we did geofencing. But the thing that worked the best um, was actually we found the restaurant near one of the biggest competitors that all of their people went to, and we bought the menus and redid the menus and put an ad for Ross Dress for Less's warehouse uh, in the menu saying we were, we're hiring. Oh, wow. So you could, get a, you could get a cheeseburger and a new job. That's exactly right. right. QR code and everything. Oh, perfect. No, that's amazing. You know, I think we all, it's so easy to forget with all the technology that we're actually trying to reach humans and they do very human things like eat lunch. And we, it, it's so easy to leave all of that out 
when you're thinking about recruiting. You know, it's all job boards, and and I think a lot of times people think recruitment marketing is just just all this big digital stuff. And and honestly, there's a, a really powerful level of it that's just good old fashioned kind of grassroots marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. guerrilla marketing, right? Absolutely, is um, widely overlooked. Um, a lot of the time, it doesn't all have to be digital. Uh, bus stop ads work amazingly well, um, yeah. right? I mean, hang a flyer in the CVS. I remember a story where um, the the train station, the, the local transport uh, in the Bay Area here, it's called BART. But it, it, the BART station across from where I work, was working, it was PeopleSoft at the time. But um, I bought, I basically did ads on the back of the BART tickets. Right, so everybody getting right as they came out, they right anyway, they were right right there at the at the station that was right across the street from our office, right. Yeah. So, you know, with and, a branded URL, now, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, now we have you know now the the thing that's great about these kind of ads, you know, you brought up QR codes and all of that. Now it's so easy just to QR code it, have an instant engagement via text, and and actually you know start that relationship with that person off on the right foot. Um, you know. A few years ago, it would have been a, a link to a web form, and somebody That's might right. call you back later in the day. And, and the speed that we can do things now is just so much faster. I'm a big fan of that process because there are so many easy ways where you could get someone to see text, hire me to this number. Absolutely. For your mm-hmm. next job. And, um, and, I love that functionality with Pivot CX. That's, it's, so, David, you you just reminded me of another funny story. Um, when the 49ers got their new stadium, mm-hmm. um, what town is that in? Well, it's Santa Clara officially, but Santa yes, Clara. the, the yeah. new San Francisco 49ers stadium. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Santa Clara. So, uh, CA Technologies. I was a talent leader at CA Technologies. Had a an office in Santa Clara. And um, Skyrise and overlooking that new stadium. And we're looking out. There's a, there's a, a balcony out there, um, very high up. And so we're looking out over the stadium. And the CIO says to me, Craig, what do you think it costs to advertise in there? And I, and I looked in there, and I could see all the stadium seats. Right. And I looked at the building and I looked back in there and I said, why don't you just put a banner on this building? Right. <laughs> just a problem, problem solved. Right. Done. That's what we did. Yeah. Wow. Clever. Yeah. Clever. So, you know, though, I, it, it seems to me, and I know, so I'd be interested in your take on this. No, no team tries to create a poor can experience. As, right? We already know that. Yeah. Um, but we know that people are so busy, right? That I, I think teams are so busy that they, the unintended consequence then is a lot of fall off, including then how you take care of the candidates at every point along the way. It's all you can do to try to keep up with the few that you're going to move forward with, right? It's that kind of, you know, have a trail wheel where you're just trying to run fast just to keep basics moving. But um, it's a, how, how does a team then, well, let me, maybe the question is this way. Who are the, what roles or how are you seeing teams effectively? Because they are so busy, right? Carrying 30 wrecks each and everybody's trying to just get the work done. Yeah. What are you seeing that they're doing to try to also think forward and think peripherally and think proactively and all these other great ideas that you're talking about, right? Because no one would argue against them likely. 
and yet getting to do them or thinking through them or it takes time and people yeah right are, are you seeing anything particular that folks are doing to try to tackle the yeah. overworked to overburdened kind of challenge yeah uh, and I'll say that let's not let's not blame anyone in particular right candidate bad candidate experience is inherited mm -hmm. right you you walk into that you walk into whatever legacy ATS somebody signed a contract for years ago um, most of the time and so you're not creating bad candidate experience most of the time it's inherited and you're just fighting to tread water enough to fix any little bit of it right. what I see a lot of is uh, companies not putting someone directly in charge of watching advertising costs and source of hire and right uh, applicant tracking system experience and all those little things that go into it right it's it's the job of a m multiple different teams so you've got HRIS you've got you know maybe somebody that has the relationship with a marketing agency or and but it's it's disparate um, a lot of times if they do have that person that marketing agency um, recruitment marketing agency liaison that it falls on that person but they're not super good at data or they're not I mean they're usually creative or maybe they don't have yeah. recruiting experience and so sometimes it gets put on to well, whoever is a good recruiter and they have to stretch and and cover that as well and so that's that's not optimal either you know one of the things that has struck me since I've, I've launched this you know we launched pivot CX is how uh, how qualitative things are in recruiting even though we can get the great data and quantify things and everything, a lot of times you don't need to get to the point where you have all the reports that say, hey, we've got a problem right here. It can be as simple sometimes as just look for yourself and realize, hey, this is just broken. It doesn't feel right. That's it. Apply to your own jobs. I mean, on a regular basis, apply to your own jobs. And you're never going to know. Like, you don't know something's wrong with your own website until somebody tells you most of the time, nine times out of mm -hmm. ten. A customer is complaining that they can't do X, Y, or Z on your your website, or a friend, or your mother, or right. But <laughs> because you can't look every day, it's 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 difficult, and things just break. They uh, do. Software, they really uh, software do. breaks. Processes mm -hmm. break. People turn over in organizations, and things get dropped. So. Yep. Right? Not to, to mention people change things when you're not looking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And there are, in, in enterprise companies, right, there are land grabs left and right. It's, oh, yeah. It, it, right? Marketing decided that you can't do that anymore. Right? Well, and sometimes so, they're not even intentional. Sometimes yeah. it's just, hey, the, we, we're changing out our brand and we brought in this new thing and all of a sudden it doesn't work. Or <laughs> one time I was trying to implement uh, Jobvite at a technology company and we're halfway through the CRM implementation and our ATS vendor SAP comes along and says what are you doing you've got all these credits from us and we've got a CRM and I'm like <laughs> yeah, I don't want your CRM but the the relationship was well we're a Microsoft partner and an SAP partner and we're gonna use these things and so I had to implement two CRMs at the same time because somebody just made a dumb decision mm. that, is that, how it, that is that is how it goes sometimes for yeah. sure um, so 
team structure, though, Mike, back uh, back yeah. to that point is is important. And if you're a talent leader, you need to look at your team structure and see, look, is it a really good recruiter with the help of a coordinator that can kind of look at this stuff? Or do you have the budget to put someone in charge of all of these multiple things? Um, and if you need a list of those multiple things that need to be looked after, let me know. Yeah. You know, we've done something, and we haven't been as consistent about it, But um, and I'm wondering if the idea, so I do your feedback here, but Mike and I have been doing hackathons here at Pivot CX, talk about right business agility and how do we kind of, so we take people out of their daily element, and we hyper-focus for a day on, you know, some known issues that we, we know are problematic, but how do we do some deeper dives? So I'm wondering if that kind of concept might apply in recruiting as well, if a recruiting leader could take their team a virtual offsite or I don't know you, you know any any mm -hmm. thoughts on like a hackathon style idea or any version oh, of that yeah absolutely you've seen me talk about this before David um, empathy mapping right ah, to understand empathy. your to understand your candidate and what they're going through can you say more what, what do you mean what does that look like so an empathy map is where you draw uh, four quadrants on a board um, and do it with an X okay and so mm -hmm. you've got up here, um, your candidates in the middle, right? So up here is uh, what they see, what they hear, what they do, and what they say. These are your quadrants. Mm -hmm. And so who are their influences? What's their routine like? What's the first thing they do when they get up in the morning? Is it look at their phone? Do they sleep with their phone? Is, it, is that a good place to advertise at the time of day that you think they probably get up, right? Do they have kids? Do they still live with their parents? Do they coach soccer or play soccer? Um, what are their dreams and hopes and, and what are the barriers for them to get there? Do they care more about um, a, a, you know, community service for their organization and giving back than they do about their salary? Is their job title more important as a prestige thing? When you can understand some of these things, then you can start to apply what's good about your company to your job descriptions and your advertising and your social posts mm. and what you're suggesting to your employer, employee community to talk to about the, with their friends, right? In the elevator or online. We'd love to have more people like you in the organization. Tell the world what's great about, you know, what you really like about this if you've got some advocates. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's one that. kind of, yeah that's yeah. one kind of and so when you do the exercise you give your you draw it on a whiteboard and you give your recruiters uh, multicolored sticky notes and um, and sharpies and say fill in these quadrants right you're going to mm. write and fill in these quadrants and then it looks really cool and it's just a great exercise and so that's that's a sort of hackathon to understand your candidate better mm -hmm. and. I 100% agree also, Dave, that yes, you could have everybody apply to a job um, right. once a month. And let's talk about the feedback and how do we fix it. Mm -hmm. yeah, we've had really good luck with when we do the hackathon kind of thing where we go in and go, hey, we're all going to do one thing and then we're going to come back, meet real quick, go through what happened. So everybody apply for a job, let's see what happened. And then let's start working on how do we fix it. And you end up it's amazing what happens when you take people out of the day-to-day, -day. and I think that's the power of that hackathon model. 
it's that you get everybody, including people that maybe don't really look at the frontline, you know, candidate experience. You get some of the recruiters, maybe get a hiring manager or two in there, so they can see what these candidates are going through. And and the input is just amazing because it's not the normal, you know, it's not just the normal stuff you hear every day. You know, with me, it's, you know, my software developers are always hacking on our software. Mm-hmm. But when I open it up and, and, you know, we get our marketing team, we get our client success team and, and all of that looking at things, I hear something completely different from these people, completely different. You know, when you're, when you're doing an exercise like uh, renewing your company's core values or your employer value proposition or employee value proposition, depending on who you're talking to, um, you should interview a cross-section of the people in your company. And you should do it in two different ways. One-on-one, because you get some candid answers that way. Uh, But then also in a group setting where you can let people kind of vent. And you get really wild answers that way as well. Uh, But it's if you don't ask the questions, you'd never know. You'd never hear. Yeah. What's the worst thing about working here? That's a good question to ask. No sacred cows, right? Challenge everything, yeah? You know? Yeah. By the way, yeah. I'm really good at hackathons. If you guys want to include me in on one of yours, okay. Ooh, that, might be really <laughs> yeah. that might be really fun, Craig. That might be something that we we take you up on pretty pretty quickly. Um, well, so uh, the book. Let's let everybody know where they can get it. Hiring-humans.com. And then, if they want to get a hold of and you. Yeah. yeah, always that. But also, if they want to get a hold of you, you know, they, you've got if you're out there and you're looking at your candidate experience or you're looking at this apply process and go, hey, I want to get somebody to look at this that can really help me with it. How do they get a hold of you, Craig? Yeah. So because of my uh, extensive SEO background, uh, you can really just uh, Google Craig Fisher recruiting and uh, you'll find lots of stuff about me. But the best way is to connect with me on LinkedIn and uh, I'm easy to find there as well. I'm at Fish Dogs also on Twitter and Instagram. I am more than happy to connect with you there. Uh, also on TikTok, you can easily find me uh, there. And I share tips about all this stuff across all these channels on a regular basis. And um, uh, also, I'm fun to hang out with online. And in person. All right. Well, with. With that, I think we've covered everything to, for, that we were planning on covering today. Anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't bring up today? Um, well, uh, if you need um, you know, talent operations consulting or marketing consulting, uh, talentnetlive.com is my website. And talentnetlive.com slash events, you can sign up for the next conference, which is in November. We'd love to see you there. Um, in historic Grapevine, Texas, at the Palace Theater, uh, oh, it, wow. it looks like the Muppet Show Theater. Yeah. It's oh, got, really? Yeah, big poofy curtains the, and balconies and red velvet. Red velvet. Yeah. Does it come with two crusty old guys up in the? Up we're going to work that out. Yeah, we're going to work. <laughs> we're going to work out a bit for that. Uh, uh, you have to. <laughs> yeah. Clever. And uh, and Main Street in Grapevine is a, kind of an historic place. And it's dotted with um, wine tasting rooms and uh, bars and tap rooms and um, restaurants. And it's just fantastic, fun to hang out. And will be uh, decorated for Christmas by the time our event rolls around. And 
Oh, Grapevine wow. is, has dubbed itself the Christmas capital of Texas. So oh. it's going to be festive. Cool. Look forward to it. Sounds great. Can't wait. Well, Craig, David, thanks for joining me today, and have a great afternoon. Thanks, guys.